Okay. Are we good? Yep. We're good. Hallelujah. Man, I, this, this is what happened to me last week and it really threw me off last week and because it's really important to me because we're recording and there are people, you may not be aware, all of you, but there are people all over the world that, listens to, that listen to our messages. And so um, I think it's an awesome thing it's, and you're part of that. So I want you to, to be thankful, to be grateful to the Lord that you're part of a, a worldwide effect that He may be having on folks that are around the world. Iraq, Egypt, many places where people listen to this message and it's because of you that they get to do that. And I take it very seriously and I'm hoping that you do as well. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the prayers that were uttered by my brother and I say yes and amen to every bit of it. But in this moment, Lord, I ask, as he's asked, that you would speak through me. Lord, you know my heart. You know where I am. You know where I've been. So in this moment, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need your strength. I need your guidance. I need you to take over. I need you to fill every bit of the time that we have, the time and the space that we have remaining here. Father, in Jesus' name, have your way. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to begin. There, there'll be several scriptures that we've kind of hovered around over the last few weeks. And certainly the, the story or the example that the Lord, I think, has blessed me with would be a story that all of us are familiar with. So I don't want you to grow bored or tired or think that you know that you know. Just please uh, listen to what the Spirit of the Lord would say to us this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we're going to start in one of those familiar scriptures over the past few weeks. And this would be John 4. Uh, beginning in verse 23. The hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. My brothers and sisters, uh, uh, continuing along those same lines, if you would, uh, help me with uh, this next scripture is Romans uh, chapter 2 beginning in verse 28. It says, For he is not a Jew... Now, in this case, you know, the Jew were looked at as those who were the followers of God, those who were relig- the religious people, those who had relationship or at least were uh, working in their relationship toward God. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and the circumcision is that of the heart. In the Spirit, capital S, in the Holy Spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. Now, I want to go back and look as you will. You don't have to go back there, Nyla. You can leave it just like it is. In, in fact, where we started in John 4, the hour is coming and now is that the true worshipers will worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now, it just doesn't mean Spirit, capital S, His Spirit. Will we worship Him in Spirit? Yes, but it's by His Spirit. And then when we look at this in Romans, what the Holy Spirit, what God Himself is speaking to us, He's saying, listen, I don't want you just to modify your behavior. I don't want you just to do some good things. I don't want you just to do religious things. I want you to change on the inside. There has to be something that's taking place on the inside. The worship has to come from your heart. Listen, God is not seeking those who would worship Him just outwardly. Just, you know, modify their behavior and try to do a right thing within their own strength and according to their own will. Uh, Are you hearing that? 
See, my brothers and sisters, I think that, that for too long, many of us, including me, when I was an, a young Christian, we thought that if, if we modified our behavior, if we didn't do some of the don't-dos and we did the do-dos, everything would be okay and we were pleasing God. And uh, is it wrong to do the right thing? No, it's never wrong to do the right thing. Is it, is it wrong to avoid bad and harmful things? No, it is never wrong to avoid bad and harmful things. But my brothers and sisters, the essence, the essence of Christianity is that you know, God loves us so much that even though we in and of ourselves with our behavior modification, we can never do enough good and we can never avoid enough bad. That's why He took a body Himself and made that perfect sacrifice that we could have relationship with Him and the image that God created us in would be restored. Hallelujah. And those who were here on Wednesday night know exactly what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We were created in the image of God. I know Miss Michelle shared with the young people yesterday and, and I've been hitting it hard and I know that I say it repeatedly, but I want you to know that you are God's special creation. Human beings are God's special creation. He said of nothing of else in His creation except humans that you were created in His image and in His likeness. And my brothers and sisters, I'm going to repeat it until somebody gets it down deep in their soul and they get excited about it and it makes them want to change. You were created special. For God, by God, for a purpose. Hallelujah. Not so that we can sit here and get fat and happy and look at Pastor Tony spitting and spewing and then feel good. Maybe it stepped on our toes or maybe it just made us feel good. But we did our duty for the week and now we can either make it Wednesday or maybe not, but I'll make it next Sunday and I'm impressing God because I'm supposed to go to church. No. No. This is only good if if it's doing something on the inside. If you're coming to church, because I went to church, my brothers and sisters, I was blessed. I went to a church that I could not wait to get there. I felt like if I missed, I would miss something that was coming out of God's mouth. I felt like if I missed a service, I would be missing something. There was an opportunity to gather with God's people and get into His presence. And something would happen. I would hear from God. Whether I needed something, whether I needed correction in that moment, or whether I just needed something, some kind of edification, or whether I needed to go ahead and put it down in the notes and put it in the memory bank and study it out because someday I'd be spewing it myself. Hallelujah! It was there. God did something. I love coming to church on Sundays and Wednesdays, not just because I get to preach or teach, but because I get to spend time with you. And where two or more are gathered in His name, He's in the midst. I get to spend time with you in the presence of Almighty God. That's how serious I take church. I hope some of you do as well. But my brothers and sisters, this is about what's happening to me on the inside, in my spirit, in my heart. Yes, is God's Holy Spirit in me, ministering to me? Is God in me, ministering to me? Yes, but but what is He ministering to? Is He just giving me ideas in my mind? No. God is ministering to me in my soul, in my spirit, in my heart, trying to change my mind. He's trying to conform me back into the image of Christ, into the original image. And so we know what the original image was. How do we know that? 
Because it says, my brothers and sisters, that we're being transformed from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of God. It says that we're looking in the mirror and we're seeing Jesus. And that's what we're conforming to, is that image that we're seeing. Those of us who were here and studied together on Wednesday, we know that. And He is, Colossians, He is the image of the invisible God. So, Listen, what image am I conforming to? Jesus. Why? Because God said, let us make man in our image. Hallelujah. So I'm being conformed back to the image of God when I'm looking at Jesus and He's changing me on the inside. Not just outwardly trying to do some things, trying to make pastor happy, trying to fool the pastor. You could fool me. Trying to fool my mom and dad trying to fool this one, that one, this one, the other one. It doesn't matter. You can fool people, but you cannot fool God. And God is seeing what's happening on the inside. That's why He's concerned with what's happening on the inside. Now, I want to confess to you, uh uh-oh, somebody's ears just perked up. Uh Uh-oh. Am I walking? Am I leaving church now because the pastor's about to confess an indiscretion? No. Man, I, I really, and you know, Dominic came, Dominic, my, my grandchildren were with us, we were blessed, and, and Dominic was up early, and he, he came into my study, and What's, what, are you, what are you doing, Pop? So he got to hear it first. Man, I was struggling, because you know, I knew that the subject matter, I had scriptures, and I had, a, I had a perfect example that I had been meditating on for days. Even last night, when we were out with the kids, I mean, I'm still thinking about what's going on, what am I, but I want to tell you, it totally left me. I can't tell you, and it was, it was out of the Bible. Uh, why am I sharing this with you? Because wherever we are right now, I want you to know, I believe that this is absolutely, positively, without any shadow of any doubt, spirit-breathed. Because what I had planned, and the example that I had planned, I can't even, and it was so solid in me, I had been meditating on it for days, it was so solid in me, I can't even tell you what it was. This has never happened to me. I can't even tell you what that example was. Out of the Bible. But God kept hammering this one at me, so I've got to obey God. And this is, I I don't want you to get bored. I want you to just just be mindful of it. And don't try to, listen, my brothers and sisters, as as the Lord Lord ministers uh, to us through this, please, don't, try not to, to meditate on what you think it means or what you've been taught in the past. Be open to what God is saying right here, right now. I'm, I'm saying to you, I'm not, I don't believe that there, I'm going to give you any of this big, divine, new revelation. I'm not claiming that. What I'm claiming is that God wants to speak something into your heart and into my heart here and now. Right here, right now. So forget what you've been told from the past in this moment and just listen to what God is wanting to say to you now. Can you, can you do that? Hallelujah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to um, talk to you about uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17 and, and we're going to talk about David and Goliath. Goliath uh, obviously was the giant of the Philistines. Now, uh, King Saul and the whole army of Israel, um, they're on one side of the valley and, and the Philistine army and, 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 and their king, they're on the other side and, and their champion Goliath comes down into that valley every morning and every evening for 40 days just selling wolf tickets. Just telling Israel how sorry they are. You send somebody down here, I'll whoop them. And then when I whoop him, we'll serve, uh, you, you have to serve us. So he's down there selling wolf tickets. Now, whether you, you know, there's, there's a little discrepancy. They say six cubits in a span, you know, depending on who you listen to, what interpretations or whatever. He was somewhere between nine and 11 feet tall. 
big guy, not just not not just like an NBA ten foot tall. This guy was stacked. His his armor, this suit of mail, weighed somewhere between uh, 125 and me. I mean, it was almost like he walked around with me on his back when he and and, and, it, and he was that he was that studly. Can I can I say it like that? He was that he was that built, almost like a younger Pastor Tony. Thank you for the amen, whoever said it. There'll be a special blessing on you. No, but young and, and just, just really, you know. Now, we have got some great athletes who are tall and just muscular, but just picture the biggest and the baddest one that you know. How about The Rock? I think of The Rock, man. The Rock is tall. He's built like a brick house. But, hey, no, no fat on this guy. Now, Andre was a giant. Now you're showing your age. But Andre the giant. But I do remember Andre the giant. But my brothers and sisters, not to be crass or, or not to be, you know, just, you know, uh, you know, just flip it about this thing. But this man was huge. And he was strong. He had a javelin that only he could handle. I mean, he had a huge sword. He had everything about this guy was big and strong and giantous. And, and, and when you read the scripture, the scripture says he was the champion of Gath. He was the champion. Now if you look, if you, if you do a study, it means someone who is standing in between. Someone who is standing there. Someone who is, someone who is upright. Someone who, are, are you getting, are you tracking, is that track? So he was the champion. He stood between the two armies. He was the guy that, that stood up and he was the rep. He was the special forces of special forces. Come on. He was, he was, the, he was the Navy SEAL above every Navy SEAL. He, this guy are you feeling it? Man, when I read that, when I looked that word up and I really wanted to dive into it, trying to pick it apart, man, the, immediately what spoke to my heart is, Jesus, He stands between me and all of my enemies. Jesus is my champion. Jesus has already defeated every foe that would come against me. Jesus is my champion. I don't need anybody else. I don't need anything else. He's already standing in between me and whatever army of hell wants to raise its flag against me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have a champion, y'all. But we know what happens. This, this man, Goliath, he's out there selling wolf tickets every day. And, the, and, and mighty Saul and the army of Israel, they're kind of shuddering in their shoes and they're waiting. Now, David, he's already been anointed king as a little boy. He's still tending his father's sheep. David was one of eight brothers. His three oldest brothers were already fighting and they were already, listen, what God told Israel would happen, happened. What did he tell them? Yeah, he's going to take your daughters. He's going to take your sons to fight in his army. He's going to take your money. You know, why do you need a king? I'm your king, right? That's exactly what happened. So three of David's brothers were fighting for Saul. So Jesse, David's father, says, go and take these vittles over to your brothers. Give your brothers, go up there, go to the front line and give your brothers something to eat. So that's what David was doing. Now, when David gets there, he sees the whole army of Israel just kind of hiding out, shaking, not doing anything, and he starts hearing the buzz. He starts hearing about what's happening. There's this champion Goliath going out there selling wolf tickets, telling him how he's going to wipe us out, how he's going to kill us, and there's no champ. We're gonna, I'm going to make you our servants, and all of these wolf tickets that he's selling each and every day. And, the, and Saul said, if anybody go out there and whoop him, I'll give him part of my kingdom. I'll give him my daughter. I'll, give him, I'll make him a very wealthy man. That man will never have to worry for the rest of his life. But still nobody was taking the bait. 
I'm going to read to you, and I think it might be up there. 1 Samuel 17, 26. David's catching the buzz. He's catching the vibe. David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of Israel? No? No? What does it say? Of what? Of the living God. See, see, David absolutely, positively understands what's going on. He understand, his heart is for God. This is God's people. This is the army of the living God. This is God-ordained. So who is this non-believer? Who is this, who, who is this sinner dog who would defy the armies of the living God? Not the army of Israel. Not Saul's army. But the armies of the living God. It speaks to you. It speaks to me and to you where David was, where his heart was. Amen? So now we know that uh, you know they're they're yakking. They give him a little info and and give him fill him fill in some of the blanks. But I love this to a degree because it's a very teachable moment. If we go down now to verse twenty nine of chapter seventeen, here's what it says. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, David's oldest brother, heard when he David spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, "Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness?" I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, Hey, man, I have a right to be curious here. There's something going on here. I have a right to ask a question. Isn't there a reason for me to ask a question? I'm only asking a question. But I want you to see this. Did I give you that? Could you keep that up there for a moment, please? Thank you. Listen, I want you to look at some words here. Eliab's anger was aroused against David. I want you to know something. David was a man after God's own heart. David was there and he was speaking on behalf of God. These men are not defying Saul's army. These men aren't defying the Israeli army. These men are defying the, listen, the army of the living God. Now that rubs his own brother the wrong way. Oh sure, maybe there's some sibling rivalry, there's some sibling jealousy involved. You know, he was anointed, he wasn't, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. But I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, this is what you and I experience every day, even among our own family members. Come on now. I've heard it. Oh, you think you're better than us? No. In fact... I know that I'm not better than anyone. That's why I need Jesus. Should I go ahead and continue to act like you, knowing what Jesus did for me, so that you feel better? So that you won't feel bad about what you're doing and then throw stones at me? See, this is David was indignant about what this army of Philistines, these unbelievers, these sinners, these, these people were doing against the army of the living God. Just like you, when you make a stand in your home, on your job, there are going to be those people who are looking at you with disdain. There are going to be those people who resent you. You're in good company. Jesus said it right out of His mouth. They hated me, they're going to hate you. And, and, and let, me, let me throw something else at you. Sometimes it will be those people who call themselves the believers that will you'll really stick in their craw. Do I, do I need to come over there and... Give that boy some caffeine. I'm teasing. Listen, my brothers and sisters, that's the way it goes. 
That's the way it goes. Our own houses sometimes would cause us the most problem. Hallelujah. But look at this. Look at what else he does. Look at what else Eliab says. And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Look, look. You see what he's attacking now? You see what he's saying to him? Who, who are you? You're just this little shepherd boy. You got nothing. You just got a little sheep that you're supposed to be tending to. What, what are you doing? Who are you doing? Come on now. Listen. Don't you know that the enemy of my soul comes to me all the time? Man, you only have 30 people, 20, 30 people in that church. What are you doing? What are you accomplishing? Don't you think that that, man, the enemy of my soul all the time. Got to fight it. Why? Well, who are you? Why do you have the right to preach the gospel? Because he saved me and he raised me. He, hey, listen, he called me and he prepared me. He puts the words in my mouth. He puts his song in my heart. Hallelujah. His spirit down deep in my soul ministering to me and giving me a word to preach to you. Hallelujah. That's who I am. I am who he said that I am. Hallelujah. Whew. I preach myself happy right there. Man, you're just this little old shepherd boy. Just, just go home. And here, he, look at what else he says. Now he's, he's, attacking, he's attacking his personality. I know your, your pride. Your pride. You're prideful. Mm, I don't know. See, he, 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 I, don't, I, don't, I don't know that David displayed that because David was out there tending his father's sheep just like he said. Also, when, when Jesse said, David, go and do this for your brothers, David said, no, nope, Dad, come on. I got too much stuff going on here. Get one of the others. No. He obeyed what his father told him to do. I, I don't see that. I don't see that at all. And your insolence, your extreme disrespect, you know, no coof, no nothing. Why? Because I'm asking a question? Why? Because you don't like the question that I've asked? How many of you have been in a situation where you've addressed somebody, whether it was somebody you were working with or working for, and, and no matter how nice you ask the question or no matter how nice you state the fact, they get, they get very uh, angry with you? That ever happened to anybody? And you get the label. Isn't that right? Come on now. See, listen, I'm telling you this not because, oh, you know, yeah, woe was us, woe was us. No, that's supposed to happen. You're different. That doesn't give you the right to be a jerk. That's a theological term, by the way, if you wanted to know. that. Jer- no, that doesn't give you the right to be haughty. That doesn't give you the right to be mean-spirited. It doesn't give you the right to be prideful, even though that you're serving the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Because, listen, why should I be prideful in that? I did nothing. He did everything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now let's drop down to 31. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him, him Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. 
You, you see, so now watch, this. you've got all of this buzz going on among these soldiers, this, this army of Israel. So David's up there and he hears what's going on. He gets the, 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 the lowdown and then, you know, then it, the word gets back to Saul. There's this, kid, there's this little kid, David, down there. You know, he's, he's indignant. He's irate. He's upset that this Philistine is defying your army. You know, so word gets back to Saul and, and so he calls for David. And I, I love David's words. Let no man's heart fail because of Goliath. Man, don't let it get in your spirit. Don't let it change you. Don't let it bring you down. I've been studying in Proverbs uh, lately, my personal studies. I want to share a few with you. Proverbs fifteen thirteen: A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Did you hear that? See, Michelle's, Michelle's says to me that I'm not very good at hiding my feelings. Like my countenance will show how I feel and I'll take her word for it. Um, but a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. So what I'm showing on my face, I mean, if, there, if I have a merry heart, if there's, I'm, my, I'm happy on the inside, something's happening on the inside, it will show on my face. But, but, uh, but this back part, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. See, the, the, you know, if, you're, if you're taking on some sorrows, if you're dwelling or meditating on, on some things and, and it's bringing you down, it brings down your whole spirit. And, and we know, I mean, it could even affect, physiologically, it affects our physical body sometimes. Isn't that right? When we get depressed, sometimes we just want to lay in bed or, you know, we don't want to do nothing. I don't want to see nobody. Me, I'm going to eat. Ice cream, the more the better. I feel a little better after that. Until I get on the scale. Then I'm back in depression. Okay. Proverbs 17.22. Look at this. A merry heart does good like medicine. But a broken spirit dries the bones. So, so look at what they're saying. A merry heart does good like medicine. So look at having a good disposition on the inside, being positive on the inside, having a joyful heart, having, you know, it, it, listen, it affects you physiologically like a medicine. It makes you feel good in your body. It does good for your physical body. Am I taking license here? That's what this scripture is saying. It's awesome. But a broken spirit dries the bones. A broken spirit takes the... I'm going to say it in Tony language. Can I, can, I, can I say it in Tony language? A broken spirit sucks the life right out of you. That's Tony language, but that's what that's saying. A broken spirit just sucks the life right out of you. And some of you know what I'm talking about because you've been in some, some valleys and you've been in some of those places. Proverbs 18.14 The spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? So, so, so listen. Now watch. I, what, what, one thing that these have in common is small s. Small s. Our spirit. Our heart. Our emotions. The things that are inside of us. Are you with me? Not capital S, little s. So look at that. The spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness. Now, how many of you have heard that, you know, uh, people that have uh, really uh, fatal diseases, you know, they, because they kept up in the spirit, I mean, they were, they were uplit, it, it, it does them good. Have anybody heard? But they're also, likewise, how many of you have heard where some people, that when they get a disease or they get sick, you know, they give up. And once they've given up, the body fails. Come on now. Now, my daughter-in-law is in the medical field. 
So she gets a yes and amen. Am I making that up? No, my brothers and sisters, listen. This is, this is true. What the, the proverb is speaking to us is true about our makeup. And God knows that. How does God know that? He made you. And he not only that, he made you in his image. So all of this is for, listen, all of this is for his purpose, his plan, his glory. He gets glorified because we're made this way. Hallelujah. He gets glorified because then he gets to go ahead and set his love upon you. And then when you love him back, he places something on the inside of you. And he starts to transform you from glory to glory. Hallelujah. Just as by the Spirit of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And so this is what this... But man, my brothers, our spirit. What's going on in your spirit today? I see a lot of sad Christians, quote-unquote. I'm using the air quotes here because I'm not everybody that says they're a Christian is a Christian. I understand that. But there are truly some people who are Christians. They've been born again, but life happened. And it's beating them about the head and shoulders. And because it's beating them about the head and shoulders, they're letting it get down in their spirit. And now they're not feeling good to compound it. Now their spirit is, they got a little bit of depression and they're, they're not feeling good in their spirit. So now they need a little relief so they may compromise a little bit. Do a little of this, do a little of that. Look here, look there. The bottom line, my brothers and sisters, is we stop looking at the face of Jesus in all of this. Oh, hallelujah. It's, it's my brothers and sisters, I'm not trying to tell anyone Man, you're wrong. It's time for you to... No, I'm saying, listen, you're, God has done much. God has given you much more than this. You may be on the mountaintop right now or you may be in the lowest valley you've ever experienced in your life. I'm here to tell you that God has given you much more than this. What are you looking at? What are you getting in your spirit? What's ministering to your spirit right now? Come on. So now let's continue in verse 33. It won't be up there. Just listen to me. Saul said to David... You were not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you were a youth. You were a youth. And he, a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it, and I struck it, and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard, and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Hallelujah. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Thank you, Saul, because that's all I need. Hallelujah. Man, you all don't get as happy about this as I do. This is all that I need. Hallelujah. He's, God has already proven himself to me. I already know he's done something inside of me. God has already, listen, God has already raised me up. Let let me ask you something. Do you think that that just came by accident, that God just, you know what, I like this kid, I'm going to dump all this on him? No. God knew. How did God know? You know how God knew? Because when David was out there tending the flocks, you know what he was doing? I know John knows. You know, amen, hallelujah. He was out there 
making songs, strumming on his harp and making songs and praising God. He was getting alone with God. He had a relationship with God. By the way, that's what God made him for. He made you for. He made me for. He made us for relationship with him. And David was out in that field. He thought he was just tending sheep for his daddy. But God was preparing him to take care of the army of the Philistines and fight for his family Israel. Hallelujah! What is he preparing you for? What are you going through right now? And what is it preparing you for? Because, listen, you're created in His image for His purpose. In His image for His purpose. Hallelujah! What has He created you for? And why are you wasting your time looking at all this other stuff? Man, we should be meditating on the Lord, praising Him, singing songs to Him. You know what the great thing is? I'm not a good poet. Not even a good musician. Not even a good singer. I waited for the amens, none came. Hallelujah. Not even a good singer. However, however, that doesn't matter. Because God is, is looking at the song of my heart. And when, listen, when God came into me, when, when God saved me, when He put His Spirit in me, something changed, something happened, and there was a new song in my heart. Now I could praise Him because I know something happened in here, you see. Something changed. Oh, I wasn't just holy Tony, you know, and he saved me, and I went down to that altar. I didn't, you know, no, I'm not saying that, but I knew something had taken place. There was something in there. There was, there was a birth that had taken place, and now that thing was growing, started ministering to my spirit, and things started to change. And guess what? They're still changing. I'm going to say like the Apostle Paul. I in no way think I am like the Apostle Paul. However, I will say it this way. Not that I have attained. Not that I have attained. I haven't, I'm not there yet. But leaving those things that are behind, good and bad, leaving those things that are behind, I press on to the mark of the prize of the high call, of the high call, the high call. God has called you higher, the high call of God. Hallelujah, in Christ Jesus my Lord. Ah, the mark of the prize. Know what the mark of the I get to see Him face to face. And when I see him, because we've been there, when I see him, I will be like him. Why? Because I'll see him. So what are you seeing? What are you, what are you seeing? What are you looking at? What are you gazing upon? Come on. So now, listen, Saul says, go ahead. Lord be with you. Tries to get in his armor and his equipment. And David says, later for this, I, there's no way. This is not tested. I've, not, I've never done anything with this. I don't need this. So he took five smooth stones in his sling. And he goes down there, and there is that giant selling his wolf tickets, and he's got his armor bearer out there. And Goliath sets his eyes on David, and he starts insulting David. He's insulted himself. What, what, what are you all... I'm a, I just got to talk in Tony language. Just forgive me. You can go look it up later. You get the King James Version. I'm just telling you Tony language. I promise you I'm not going to be different than what it says. It'd just be Tony language, okay? So pardon my vernacular. What in the world are you sending out to me? I am the biggest, baddest dude that the Philistines own. I would even beat them up if I didn't have so much invested in that. I would... I'm the biggest, baddest, and you sent out this little old teenager. Man, what are you kidding? This little cutesy-wootsy kid is... Well, come on, be serious. That's what he was saying in Tony language. Then, okay, let it be done. Then Goliath says to him, Man, today, 
I'm going to feed you to the birds. The vultures are going to be eating on you, and those jackals will be eating on you. The beasts of the field and the birds of the air are going to be feasting on your dead body. David says, uh-oh. Did I just make a mistake? Uh-oh. This guy looked a little bit smaller from up there, but down here, he's kind of big. Man, now that I got a closer look, maybe I bit off a little bit more than I could chew. Now that I got a closer look, man, something's rising up in me. I don't feel as good about it when I was up there, just when the Word of God was fresh in me. Man, when I first, and man, and the Holy Spirit rose up in me and I just spit it out. And now it's coming time to put those words into action. Uh oh. What are my eyes beholding? Wasn't David. David said to the Philistine, You come with me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've had defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air, the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, that I I represent the true and the living God, not for my glory, but for the glory of the living God. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, not only, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. And we know what happened. Man, David got that rock and that sling, and he slung it, Hit him right between the eyes. He went down. David runs over, grabs the man's sword, and cuts his head off with his own sword. And then the armies of Philistine run, and the Israel gets a gets a bunch of them. Are we are we there? We know we are familiar with the story. Hallelujah, Hallelujah! Do you see that that little shepherd boy who was despised by his own brother, who was talked down to, who was told what his stature in life was? He had the spirit of God all over him. He had, how, how did that happen, Tony? Remember, he was in that field communicating with God. He was in that field praying and praising God every day while he was tending those sheep. He had a long time with God and God was building him up. And even though everybody else told him this is impossible, even though when he saw that giant, he was tall, he was big, he was stout. Even though he saw his eyes told him that, his spiritual eyes told him that his God was bigger than anything that was put in front of him. Hallelujah! Then David became resented by Saul because David himself was, man, Saul kills his thousands, David kills his ten thousands. And we know what happened, life. What happens? Life. Life happens. Then that, 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 from that moment on, you know, Paul, I mean, Saul, excuse me, starts eyeballing David. He's going to kill David. His mission in life now is to get rid of David. David, has, David makes the, a mistake. He aligns himself with the enemies of God to escape Saul. You know, he doesn't fight against Israel. He doesn't kill any Israelis. But he's still kind of, he's out there. And it was, he, he was saving his skin. He was saving his skin. But even in that, God never left him. God ministered to him. And he ministered to God. He was, he was like you and me. There were some good times. There were some bad times. But even in the middle of all of that, God never left him. God never left him. 
And, and there's that one time that I just, there's many times, but there's so many times. And, 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 and I just want to share a couple with you, please. I know we're going just a little bit long. Just, can you bear with me just a little while longer? Just a little while longer. Okay, remember that time when David and his army were off fighting and, and they came in and, and the Amalekites came in and they, um, they, they, tried to, they took all of his, they came into Ziklag, they took everything that they owned, his wives, the children, everything was taken and, you know, and they burned the town and, and then David and his men come back from battle and everything is gone and smoking and, and, and David's own men were turning against him. Right? And what does it... So, so did, was David in the middle of making a mistake? Yeah, he was making a mistake. Did God punish David? No. God wasn't punishing David. Did God leave David? No. David was on his own in that moment. My brothers and sisters, but here's what happened. The moment David looked upon that, and the moment God, David said, okay, get me the ephod. Why the ephod? Because I'm going to get into the presence of God. I've got to get in the presence of God. So what is he saying? I I haven't been in God's presence. I'm going to go and get into God's presence. And so he gets into God's presence, humbles himself before God, forgetting about his own spirit, his own strength, his own victories, his own uh, acumen to be a warrior, mighty warrior, all of those giftings that God has given him. He forgets all of that. And in that moment he says, God... What shall I do? Shall I pursue? And God says, pursue, and you will recover all. Hallelujah. See, that's all it takes. We just got to go and get a hold of God. Remember who He is and who we are. Remember all of those giftings and talents, the good times that you have had. I'm not talking about those good times when you were a sinner. I'm talking about the joy down on the inside that came when you just did something nice, when you did good. I'm talking about that inside, the fulfillment, those times that you had, those times when you were alone with God, those times when you knew the Holy Spirit was ministering to your spirit. Remember those times. Hallelujah. That's where we get, man, forget about all this other stuff. What are you looking at? Why have all of these, these, these other things? I mean, there's so many, and you guys know when, when he was going to go and kill, his pride was raised up when Nabal told his, his, uh, his army, when, when David sent his army down to Nabal to get some vittles because they were protecting him. And, and then, he, who is David and who are you? Get, get out of here. And so David says, okay, here we go. David's, our, David, his ego was hit. His, he was struck. He was embarrassed. And he's telling his men, strap on your swords. We're going to Nabal's house. And may God, listen, may God smite me if I don't kill every male, human and beast, when I get there. David did that? Yes, David, the man after God's own heart. Man, in that moment, because life happened, something happened. But Abigail met David on the way. See, that's, that's, that's Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit met David on the way and said, don't do this. Your life is with God. This is, this is not what God has chosen for you. This is not what God would have you to do. Just like Holy Spirit tries to intercept you. And some of you say, forgive me, Lord. Okay. And others you say, mm, that's not the Holy Spirit. I could, come on now. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? Then we get down to this, my brothers and sisters, and we're almost done, so hang on just a little while longer. Do I have your attention? Am I? Okay, hang on just a little while longer. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Thank you. It happened in the spring of the year. Now, let me, let me give you context. Context here is David, you know, Saul is gone. He's, he's already dead. You know, David's the crown king. He's in Jerusalem. He's got his palace. He's... You know, everything's hunky-dory at this point. 
And it happened in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab, his servants, with him, and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon, Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. What's wrong so far? David was supposed to go out and fight his battles, but he stayed in Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman. He what? Saw. He saw a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful to behold, very beautiful to look at. What happened to David? He, he, my, my, my brother said, what happened to David? He got, listen, God called him and raised him up to be his warrior king. It was time for him to go out and serve the purpose and the plan that God called him to. Come on now. But David thought a little bit, see, because God had gone ahead and he's, he'd given David a, a semblance of peace. Most of the enemies right around him, they were already done. He was, he was living in, you know, kind of a peaceful atmosphere right now. He was enjoying some of the fruits of his warriorship. Like that grammar? So now, he's getting a little bit lazy, a little bit relaxed. Let his guard down. Yeah, go ahead, Joab. You take the boys. Go ahead and take care of the light work. Tony language. That's not what God called him to do. And so what happens? Now, David, is David back in the field playing music among the sheep? Worshiping God? Having, having come on, having relationship with God? No. He's on the porch. Enjoying the cool of the day probably or whatever it is. And his eyes behold something. And he looked upon something. And what he looked upon affected him. He beheld something and it affected him in his spirit. My brothers and sisters, what are you looking at? Those of us who have been Christians for a long time, what are you looking at? Those of us who are maybe brand new Christians. Man, it's so important. Don't, you know what? Don't imitate some of these older Christians. Don't give yourself permission to look at these things in life that people call good. That people call good. Even if on the surface they appear to be good. They don't do harm. But if they take the place of God in your life, they are not good. If they occupy your time and your attention, they are not good. If we, ha- we have to work, that might be the conduit at which this point God is blessing you financially, but if your job is taking you away from God and your family, find another job. There's a lot of them out there right now. Young people, man, we've got all kind of activities that we could participate in and I'm a big believer in some of these after-school activities and these sco- uh, the scholastic things, the sports and all this other stuff. I'm, I'm a big believer in all that to a degree. But when you have to start sacrificing youth group, uh, time with God, uh, church functions, and you know, then um, it's not of God. And I know that that's not going to make a lot of people happy. But it's, that's not of God. I, 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 I can't, I'm, I'm sorry. 
We can't worry about our children being popular in school so we have to dress them a certain way or we have to give them certain things so that you know, they could fit in. Or that. No, know what we're teaching our kids? We're teaching our... You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to push on this just a little bit. I know I'm going along. Is that, if you have to leave, leave. You won't disturb me. Listen, I want to tell you something. We're raising generations of wimps. You know why? Because we're saying, if you're bullied, go and tell the government is going to take care of you. We're going to outlaw bullying. I don't care how much you outlaw bullying, there's always going to be a bully. But here's the problem with this. When you teach a kid in the, when he's younger not to stand up for what he believes, what he thinks, how he is, what's he going to do when he's an adult? So here we are trying to teach young people to make a stand for Christ. But the only way we can get them to do that is to marry the culture in the church so that, okay, they feel somewhat comfortable making a stand with Christ. I want to tell you young people, I want to tell you older people, that listen, you are supposed to be different. Period. You should look different. People are not going to like you. But, take heart. Pastor Tony loves you. But my brothers and sisters, this is the problem. When when we're training our kids that way, when they get older, and then we're asking them to take a stand for Christ, we've not asked them to stand up for themselves in any other thing. Now, in no way am I promoting bullying. So if you are one in here, you need to repent, and you need to apologize. And, And listen, if you're being bullied, I'm not saying don't tell your parents or only... No, share it with your parents. I'm not, uh, I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm not. I'm just saying, you know what? There comes a point somewhere where we have to make a stand. We have to be, hey, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not you know, my, I, my daughter's not here, but my son is. I could tell you how many times, you're the only father that won't let his kids do this. You know, man, my, my kids were going out. My, I know my daughter did. I don't know about my son. I don't know about my son. Man, I wouldn't let her go out of the house wearing a t-shirt. I think she hid some. I found out later on she hid some. When she left the house, she changed her shirt. There were certain clothes that I would not let my daughter wear. How did I get here? How did I get here? So here we are, not willing to make a stand, and we're teaching our kids to go ahead and meld in so that they could feel comfortable in their environment. My brothers and sisters, we're not of this world. We're not supposed to be totally comfortable in this environment. So why are we working so hard to get comfortable in this environment? Hallelujah! Oh! No! I'm in this world, but I don't sure ain't of it. There's a spirit alive in me that's bearing witness with my spirit that's ministering to my soul, that's carrying me to heaven, oh man, I can't deny it. I can't deny it. So I'm not going to deny it in front of you or anybody else and I'm darn sure I'm not going to teach any of the young people that God has put in my atmosphere to deny it either. You're different. Some of you are real different. <laughs> so it's different. <laughs> Hallelujah. But now look, look, look. Read. So, so now this, we know David was in this sin. You thought I forgot. David was in this sin. Bad sin. And so when, listen, in order to cover this sin up, he ends up having an affair with Bathsheba. That was Bathsheba. He ends up having an affair with Bathsheba. And there's a child that's conceived out of that affair. And, and then now David is panicking. He doesn't know what to do. So in, or he doesn't want to be found out. So what's he do? He lies, and then he tries to go ahead and coerce the woman's husband to, to, to spend some time with her so that it would be look like maybe the child was his. And, and you know, all, David did that? The man after God? Yeah, he did. Why did he do it? 
He was looking at the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing. He wasn't going according to the purpose and plan that God called him to. He got caught up looking at something, and it changed inside of him something. Hallelujah. So my brothers and sisters, he, he, and then what he could do, he couldn't do that. When that man who was so, Uriah the Hittite, when that man was so honorable, he didn't even want to have a, a, a long time with his wife because he knew his men were out there. What, what, did I say the right name? Okay, so when that man that when that man went and stayed with his own wife because his fellow soldiers were out in the field fighting, he felt bad about it. He felt guilty. That's how strong a man of integrity that he was. He refused to do it. So when he refused to do it, David had him put on the front line and let the man around him withdraw. Let's see what happens. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Well, see, I ain't as bad as David. I never killed nobody. That's what you say. That's right. How about with your thoughts and with your anger? How about with your words? Because I'm telling you, we live under grace. That's right. Grace, oh, thank you, God. Grace, grace, grace. Yeah, we live under grace. And under grace, here's what Jesus says. Thou shalt not commit murder. I say when you've defamed somebody, when you get so angry and you spew hate at somebody, you've already killed them. See, David committed adultery. God said, under grace, this is Jesus. Jesus is saying, under grace. I say, when you look at a woman and lust after her, and I'm going to tell you ladies, because you've been trained to do this now, it wasn't in your original DNA, but now it's wired in you. When you look upon a man and you lust after him, you've committed adultery. You've already done it. Oh, thank God for grace. No, he raised the bar. Why? Because he's after us on the inside. He's on the inside working with our spirit, with our soul. He's on the inside working us. Are you with me? Come on, hang on a little while longer. I'm sorry, just hang on a little while longer. I've got to deliver this message. Okay? So now David is confronted by Nathaniel, the mouthpiece of God. God ministers and tells him. And so Nathaniel goes to David. He gives him the vision, the dream. And David becomes irate because Nathaniel talks about a sheep that was uh, slain by a rich man. You know, he slain a sheep and used it for um, food for his family. And, and, and it, was the, it was actually the sheep of another man's family who really loved it, who really cared for it. They, they treated it like a part of the family. And David became irate. Yeah, that person will be paid fourfold and, you know, they'll be put to death and blah, blah, blah. And they said, that man is you. David fell on his face. And you read Psalm 51. And you read what David said. And I'm going to read a little bit to you. In Psalm 51, verse 10. This is part of what David's pleading with God. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Listen, renew an upright spirit. Renew a spirit that would stand upright before you. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. S, capital S. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. My brothers and sisters, let me pause here for a moment. Do you see what this man is saying? See, this is why David, see, David understood something. But up to that point, you know, in there, in, as far as what they believed, he should have been dead. God could have struck him dead in that moment according to what they believed. How they, they, he, he, could have, he should have been struck dead. 
But now you have David saying this, right? Listen to what David's saying. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. All of this stuff that he's confessing doesn't line up with an Old Testament acknowledgement of God. This is, not the, this is not a law of God kind of worship. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Wow. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Is, Let me ask y'all something. Uh, no, no, don't answer. But I want to. Some there's there's somebody here. I, I I know there is. There's somebody here. Look, it's not like it was. It's not like it was. You let some stuff get in the way. You've 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 been looking at the wrong thing or or different things, and then sometimes you've even justified it because it's for the right reasons. But you're looking at the wrong thing. And, and God doesn't, well listen, God doesn't want to snatch the rug out from underneath you. God wants to restore you. He wants to renew a right spirit in you. David understood this. This was an Old Testament saint that understood grace. He's going to God, even though under the law he has no right to. He's going to God and he's begging God to have God's spirit minister to his spirit. How do you know that? Look at what he said. Renew a steadfast, renew a right spirit, renew an upright spirit in me. I've changed, Lord. There's something, something went wrong in here, Lord. Something went wrong. I, you know, he doesn't say it, but I could say it for him. I looked at the wrong thing. I turned away. I looked at the wrong thing and it affected me on the inside. So Lord, I'm begging you by your mercy, renew a right spirit in me. Fix that which was broken. And I want the joy that comes from that, Lord. I want that joy back. I, I've been miserable. I've been, you know, read the Psalms. I've been miserable. I want that joy back. I know that, I, I know that I've, I've been looking at the wrong thing. I know that I've gone far from you, Lord. And look at what... Look at, uphold me by your generous spirit. See, the qualities. I know you're generous, Lord. I know you're the one that provides salvation, Lord. Lord, I know you're merciful. Do you see the way he, he's saying this? He knows God. How does he know that? He was an Old Testament. He doesn't know anything about grace. Do you know how he knows that? He was in the fields singing psalms, praising God with a harp, having a long time with God. He was getting personal. He was having one-on-one with God. The Spirit of God was ministering to His Spirit. Hallelujah. But then look what it says. Then, when then, after you've done all of this in me, then I'm able to fulfill the call that you have on my life. Then the purpose and plan for me will be fulfilled. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. Why? They're going to see your ways. And sinners shall be converted to you. Hallelujah. But look at what it says in verse 17, and we're here for a reason. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Nyla, could you do me a favor, please? Could you go back to that Proverbs slide? Thank you very much, honey. 
A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. A merry heart does good, like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. The spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? Wait a minute. Something's wrong here. What did what does David say? Is David praying amiss? The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken, a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. So God likes that. What? See, this must be one of those 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 things that they tell me in the Bible. They contradict. No. No. When we go to Him. Our spirit needs fixing. He comes into us. Amen? And starts working on our spirit. Our spirit and his spirit start bearing witness and things start to change. Things start to happen. We all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of, of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just, by this, just as by the spirit of God. That spirit of God inside of us is changing us. He's, he's doing something in our spirit, ministering to our spirit on the inside. And as long as we have fellowship with him, fellowship with each other, as long as we continue to look in the face of Jesus, that process is continuing. When we take our eyes off of him, my dear brothers and sisters, we're running the risk that that process is going to stop. And when that process stops, my brothers and sisters, it doesn't stay static. It doesn't, you don't stay at that level that you were. Because that thing that you're looking at changes your mind and changes your spirit. We got to go to him. When I went to him the very first time, I had to go to him and know in my spirit, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I need fixing. And there have been times between then and now where I've made some mistakes, where I've looked at the wrong thing, where things have you know, caught my eye or t- turned my head and, 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 or you know, it just changed something on the inside of me. I, you know, if you watch the news too much, some, that'll happen. I, there was a point I had, to st- I had to stop watching the news because it was changing things. My brothers and sisters, no. I've got to stop that. Get my eyes back on him. Get that spear. Come on. Hallelujah. Beloved, John 3, verse 2, last one. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him. We shall be like Him. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Do you see that? God knows. What we see eventually has its effect on us. And so as we're working in this process, fixing our eyes on Jesus, being transformed from glory to glory, and our spirit is being, in our minds, everything's being transformed more, more like Jesus. And then at the end, when we see him finally, we'll be complete. Our faith will made, be made complete and we'll be exactly like he is. Amen. Do you believe that? Does anybody believe that?
So the, the scripture says, those who believe that will purify themselves just as he is pure. Stand with me, please. Tony, just, I don't know if we have any music left, but listen, I'm not going to ask anybody, hey, you know, that kind of altar call, if, if the Lord